you are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On NFL, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski. I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet. You can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast and the podcast network on Twitter at Locked On NFL Pods. This is our Monday Locked On NFL, where we bring you the biggest stories from our local experts. And that Monday show is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and get 20% off when you use the promo code Locked On. Remember, Built Bar is, after all, the best tasting protein bar ever. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. And week 10 was wild. It was crazy. It was DeAndre Hopkins catching Hail Marys. It was Bill Belichick dialing up the old school grinded out win in the rain. It was all kinds of craziness in games that teams we thought were bad played better than we thought they should. And some teams proved that they were real. And and the Pittsburgh Steelers, by the way, just keep on winning, which they seem to do every single week. The aforementioned Bill Belichick did help provide one of the biggest surprises of the weekend with the Patriots stunning the Baltimore Ravens 23-17 in a monsoon game. Otherwise, the outcomes of these games, for the most part, were not all that out of the ordinary. The the New York Giants did take down the Philadelphia Eagles 27-17, although Are we really that surprised at this point that the Eagles lost in embarrassing fashion? They haven't shown us anything over the course of the season that suggests they are a good team. The Packers struggled, but ultimately won with the Jacksonville Jaguars 24-20 at home. Detroit won a wild affair with Washington that the Lions dominated, then undominated, and then finally finished at the end. Tua Tagovailoa outdueled Justin Herbert in a 29-21 win for the Dolphins as they look like a real AFC team. Maybe not a contender, but certainly a team that has to be reckoned with as we move forward here. And as I mentioned, the Pittsburgh Steelers just keep on winning. They stay undefeated, beating the Cincinnati Bengals 36-10. to But in terms of games that mattered... We had a couple key games that mattered this weekend on the slate in terms of teams that were all fighting for playoff positioning. It may just be the game of the season, at least to date. The Arizona Cardinals take down the Buffalo Bills 32-30 on a Hail Mary that they're already calling the Hail Murray. DeAndre Hopkins over three Bills defenders after Buffalo takes the late lead. This was an incredible back-and-forth game. Joining me, co-host of Locked on Cardinals, Alex Clancy. And Alex, we have had a lot of conversations uh, on this show, whether it's it's you and me or or uh, me and Bo about this team, and they have really turned into the cardiac Cardinals to this point. But they look as dangerous as any team in the conference right now. Yeah, it's crazy, uh, Peter. So this team and this game, as anybody that watches, 
it both the offense and the defense for both teams were two-sided were two-faced yeah. <laughs> like you saw so many you saw the full spectrum of how good and how bad both offenses and both defenses could be like right. what, what i can't like yes the hail mary at the end the the hashtag hail murray at the end was uh was incredible i mean it's deandre hopkins it's kyler murray it's one of those things where it's like oh I mean, if there's anybody that if I guess it makes sense that it's those two. And just like the Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs passing catch before, it's like, oh, well, Stephon Diggs is the best receiver in the league statistically. And Josh Allen has got a cannon. So I guess that makes sense that that happened. The fact that they happened within 30 seconds of each other was unbelievable. Well, and not only that, you know, you look at some of the stats in this game. I mean, the box score is not going to tell a pretty tale for for Josh Allen. 32 of 49 for 284, uh, a passer rating under 80, had the two interceptions. They couldn't get the run game going, really. But Cole Beasley and Stephon Diggs, to your point, really did, did a job in this game against the Cardinals secondary. There was the Cole Beasley route where he just shook Patrick Peterson. So is this one of those games where we just go, okay, fluky outcome, you know, weird things happen. You know, as someone who covers the Packers, I remember a Hail Hail Mary in Arizona a few years ago that didn't ultimately affect the outcome of the game. But, or, or is this something where you go, this is a team maybe of destiny this season and they proved it against a really good Buffalo team. You know, the Jeff Janis, like the Jeff Janis fourth and what was it? It was fourth and 25 to get to midfield. And then there was another, it was fourth and 25 or whatever out of the end zone completed for 30 plus yards. And then the touchdown, it was in pretty much the same spot uh, in the same end zone. State oh, don't, Stadium, don't think that that was lost on me, Alex. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was, uh, it was, yeah. But it's like, here's the thing is. What the Cardinals have done in two of the last three weeks, yes, fluky, probably. The Seattle game, probably fluky also. Mm -hmm. Uh, But look at what happened with San Francisco last year specifically. And we compare the Cardinals a lot to San Francisco, not because of, you know, um, you know, type of play or anything like that. More just when bounces go your way, they go your way and good things happen if you can get them in a run. And that's what's been going on with the Cardinals. Like when they had the COVID scare, that was on their bye week. You know, like things like that have just happened to the Cardinals. And this, listen, if you're going to try and put science to what happened at the end of this game, you can't. You're a fool. Uh, (laughs) It was just, the Cardinals were just lucky to come out on top. And uh, Kyler Murray showed that, I've said that Kyler Murray, I would take Kyler Murray over Lamar Jackson. Anybody that can throw their team into back into a game, you want in the NFL. And Kyler scored a couple touchdowns late with his legs, but it was inevitably his arm that, that got the Cardinals the victory. Is this the Kyler Murray signature MVP performance. If we're looking at this at the end of the year and, and Kyler Murray is the MVP, and let's just say, because I think he he certainly the last you know couple weeks, as you mentioned, is playing himself into that discussion. If we look back here in two months and Kyler is the MVP, is this going to be the game we point to and say, yeah, this was when he really cemented this thing. And then the rest of the season, he was just rolling downhill. It was like it because he beat two of the top five MVP candidates in three weeks and Josh Allen and, and yep. Russell Wilson, both of them have kind of jettisoned their chances at this point over the last couple of weeks of play. Uh, yeah. I mean, it would be if the SBs were this year, if they are this year, that'll be the number one play in football unless something crazy happens. Like not only was it a Hail Mary to win a game, this wasn't, well, I, going back to this, it wasn't Aaron Rodgers to Richard Rodgers against Detroit when Green Bay was obviously the better team in that division. They have been for a while. This was the most pivotal game for the Cardinals of the 2020 season. Yeah. Short yeah. week at CenturyLink coming up on Thursday. If the Cardinals lose uh, 
they could be staring five and five in the face. And the fact that they're six and three, they're now statistically the 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 one seed in the NFC West. This, yes, to answer your question succinctly, yes, this would be the the flashbulb memory that everybody would have if Kyler would go on to win MVP. Absolutely. The weird thing about this offense is you look again at the box score. I mentioned the Josh Allen box score. You know, Kyler Murray passer rating under 90, had the interception, but he had the, the 61 yards on the ground, had the pair of touchdowns. Still, if DeAndre Hopkins doesn't catch that bomb, I mean, n- nothing nothing really jumps out at you versus, you know, about how this team played, and yet they were able to find a way to win. When you look at this team in the playoffs, is this more evidence to you that this is a team that that is deserving and and has a chance to be really scary in in the NFC or is it is it back to our, you know, beginning of our conversation, is this just sort of a a little bit of a fluky thing, and maybe next year or the year after that is the year for the Cardinals. Cliff Kingsbury needs it could be to both, by the way. figure things out. Well, sorry? It could be both, it could be by, both the way. by the way. Yeah, it definitely could be both. I think, But I think the sore thumb here is Cliff Kingsbury's inability to not outthink himself, to not be smart enough. Like, there is now a firm distinction between Sean McVay slash Kyle Shanahan and Cliff Kingsbury. Like, mm. I've talked about this a lot. Jared Goff will win because of Sean McVay, and it seems more, increasingly more and more so that Kyler Murray will win in spite of Cliff Kingsbury. Mm. And what's happened in the fourth quarter when the Cardinals picked off Josh Allen on Buffalo's side of the field and the Cardinals under five minutes, up three points, you know what, maybe you think established a run, you know, get, get some time, make them use their timeout if you get a first down. That was less than a minute. In, in time of possession, three passes, three and out, and that was it. Like and, and then, you know, you have what happened. You put themselves in a situation, the defense, they have to stop Josh Allen, one of the more potent guys from the quarterback position, and they just got lucky. But Cliff, this was in spite of Cliff and not because of him, this victory. Yeah, and and in the playoffs, the coaching thing matters even more, especially when they're going to go up against coaches like Kyle Shanahan, Sean Payton, Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur, I mean, there there are there the coaching pedigree in the NFC is serious and, and the same is going to be true, you know, in the AFC. So maybe Kyler Murray and, and DeAndre Hopkins and Patrick Peterson and Buda Baker can can overcome that and, and maybe they can. We'll see. Alex, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, thanks, Peter. Sorry, this is a, a stream of consciousness time. Like when you catch us at the end of the game, there's so many things going through my head. You know, I haven't watched any film yet. I haven't read any interviews. I haven't really looked at the stats yet. This has just been my larynx is bruised. No, the, it's the best because we we get you guys. This is, I, I think, the third time we've had you on, and all of them have been these just ridiculous, crazy endings. And either you or Bo is is just like on on twelve, just <laughs> yeah. absolutely going. So what the hell is going on luckily, here? Luckily for us, it makes for good radio. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, this is the stream of consciousness <laughs> that makes radio awesome where it's like, wait, what did I just say for the last 10 minutes? I hope it was I hope it was competent. It's one of those. Exactly. Thanks, Alex. Yeah, thanks, Peter. Arguably the top matchup of the weekend pitted the LA Rams against the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle coming off that disappointing loss to the Buffalo Bills. And there was a lot of momentum. Hey, Russell Wilson, if he's the MVP, they can't lose two in a row. Yet Russ goes out there and they let him cook. Eh, maybe maybe burn the dinner. Two interceptions, uh, under 250 yards, and the LA Rams take care of Seattle 23-16. to Joining me now from Locked on Rams, Sosa Kermenjas. And the reason I introed you like that, Sosa, is because I think the, the Rams have been the forgotten team in the NFC West 
for a lot of the year. And, you know, even with the the incredible Arizona finish and all the talk about Russell Wilson, here the Rams sit six and three. They're at the top of the division and they just might be the scariest team, you know, that side of the conference on offense and defense, especially after the performance they put together on Sunday. Yeah, like you mentioned, you know, they're they're these feel uh, like a sleeper team really at this point, which is kind of weird to say at six and three, but uh, you know, I, I think it might have something to do with, uh, it's more so a boring <laughs> brain of football. You know, it's a lot of uh, manufactured offense. It's, you know, Jared Goff's not going to play football like Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson are. Uh, like you've seen today, I mean, the Cardinals, that insane mm-hmm. game winner on the Hail Mary, uh, two of the most exciting quarterbacks in football. But yeah, you look at the Rams, um, you know, they're just kind of boring. They want to run the ball a lot. It's going to be a lot of jet motion, a lot of sweeps, a lot of seven, eight, five-yard gains kind of dinking and dunking their way down the field with the occasional, you know, big chunk play. And then you look at the defensive side of the ball, like you mentioned, I mean, they might be the best defensive football right now. I mean, I think you could probably make the case, uh, you know, obviously there's some good teams out there like the Pittsburgh Steelers, but, uh, you know, the Rams are one of the few defenses right now in the NFL that are performing well. So uh, you look at, you know, those two phases of the ball and the Rams might just be the most complete team in the NFC West. And, you know, that's, could position them in a good spot moving forward here with the Rams still having four divisional games left on so their schedule. So what I think is interesting is you go back and and look at you know the the Dolphins game uh for the Rams and and they lose that 28-17 in what was really a bizarre game some turnovers. Th- this is a little bit of the Jekyll and Hyde that that LA has been really going back in the Sean McVay era. There have been some times where you just go are we sure this is real? And then other times where everything, as you mentioned, the manufactured offense and that stuff is all clicking. They still have Jalen Ramsey, who was awesome on Sunday. They still have Aaron Donald. And defensively, we know what they're capable of. But are you at all concerned about a little bit of the will they or won't they nature of this team in terms of the the peak performance that they could put out there from week to week? You know, I think it's definitely something to uh, be said there and it's something to potentially be concerned about moving forward. But with that being said, you know, I feel like that Miami game was more of like you mentioned, uh, just a weird performance, sort of like a fluky style of performance with, you know, the Dolphins yeah. scoring a long punt return touchdown and then scooping and scoring a 78-yard sack fumble return for a touchdown. And, you know, the Rams just not being themselves really in that game. And I think you look at the disciples of Bill Belichick who have given the Rams and Sean McVay's offense a ton of trouble moving back really throughout every game that they've played each other. So uh, that could be, you know, chalk it up to that kind of a thing. But, you know, like you mentioned, the Rams, they do need more consistency moving forward. I mean, uh, a lot of their wins come against a weak division in the NFC East, and they really haven't been tested, you know, a ton with uh, top-tier opponents. But now the Rams obviously knocked knocked off the Seattle Seahawks. And now they have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers next on the schedule. So I feel like, you know, we're going to learn a lot about this team, you know, obviously this Sunday and next Sunday and really moving forward. But specifically, whether or not they can be consistent moving forward, are they a real contender or are they just kind of a team that, you know, they might squeak into the playoffs by virtue of a nine or 10 win season or even 11 win season? uh, Or, you know, can they actually make some noise? And I think we're really going to find out coming in these next few weeks. You know, they got Tom Brady coming up. Uh, is this defense for real? Are they as good as they seemed on Sunday? And I think, you know, they have a shot to prove that, uh, but it remains to be seen. You know, I think um, the Rams have done a good job thus far, but, uh, you know, that, that schedule is going to get really, really tough here in the second half of the season. So I'm very intrigued to see 
what kind of team the Rams really are moving forward. Yeah, I'm glad you said remains to be seen because the the to-be-seen part includes the Seahawks again. It includes uh, the Cardinals twice, the 49ers, and you mentioned that Buccaneers game. You get to add in the Jets and, and the Patriots, depending on whether you think the Patriots are a tough team. If the Rams get into the playoffs, they're going to have earned it. I mean, there's just no two ways about it because they're going to have to beat enough of these teams to get to nine or 10 wins. And if they do that, it'll, it'll be because they beat some of these top teams. So as we sit here now in mid-November, if you're if you're handicapping the NFC, where do you see the Rams? Are they in that that top tier with, you know, the Saints, the Packers, the Buccaneers, or are they in that next tier? I mean, what, what where do you see them standing right now? And, and where do you think, I think more importantly, that they can get to? Because like, you know, we said, They've got these games now where they can prove, hey, they're as good as anyone. If they come out of here and they're 12 and four, they're going to be able to make the case they're the best team in the NFC. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, it's going to come down to the wire here. You know, the NFC West looks like they're probably going to send three teams to the playoffs. I mean, I think that's probably a safe assumption to make at this point in the season. Um, Like you mentioned, you know, they still got two games against the Cardinals. Still got one game against Seattle, which is going to be in Seattle. I believe that's in week 16. Uh, and still one game against the 49ers who, I mean, you know, they don't look great, but uh, they don't look terrible either. So you never really know. But the way I look at it, you know, I, I think if the Rams can split in the division three and three, just kind of beat everyone once and lose once, uh, that they would be in relatively good standing. You know, uh, the Buccaneers game obviously is going to be very tough. They're one week, you know, they look in- incredible and unstoppable. The next week they look kind of lackluster. But, you know, I think they're going to probably show up on Sunday. You look at that Jets game, I don't want to say it's necessarily a cakewalk, but, uh, you know, that's one that they should definitely win. And then there's a question mark for me, the Patriots, which is a very interesting game. And, you know, again, like I mentioned, that Belichick tree has given Sean McVay a lot of trouble, even dating back to that Super Bowl. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised what happens in that game if the Rams win or lose. And so, uh, you know, I look at the NFC West and the NFC as a whole. Like you mentioned, there's a lot of good teams, the stack conference. Uh, and I think the Rams are probably knocking on that door of that first tier, but I don't know that they're necessarily in there yet. Uh, but hey, you know, what happens here, I think is really going to help me decide on what I really think of this team. Can they knock off the Cardinals? Can they slow down that offense that looks incredible? Uh, can they go into Seattle and, you know, seal up another victory and essentially potentially win that NFC West convincingly? Or are they kind of, kind of, you know, be that inconsistent team that we've seen so far? So um, like you mentioned, if they do get in the playoffs, they will definitely have earned it. And, you know, they're, probably going to be a team to watch out for moving forward but uh again we don't yet know and i'm very intrigued to see really how the nfc west shakes out because i think that's going to be a very big key for the nfc playoffs really in in general yeah if as you mentioned the rams end up splitting with their divisional opponents they would end up you know depending on what the other games do if that let's say they they split and then win their non their non division games they would be 11 and 5 and and certainly uh, a team to be reckoned with in the NFC. I asked, uh, you know, my followers in Packer Nation who they wanted to see the Rams or or the Seahawks after this game, and the the overwhelming response was Seattle because of their defense. <laughs> uh, but there, you know, there were there were some people who wanted to see Jared Goff in the cold, uh, assuming they had to come to Lambeau. So mm-hmm. I think the Rams being good makes this NFC even more compelling. Uh, which just means more reasons down the stretch for us to have you back on. Sosa, thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. And hopefully we can do this again late into December. 
Before we finish up, let's talk about our friends at Built Bar. You've heard this ad before. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It is truly the best tasting protein bar ever. You should post chat from the Locked On Podcast Network when we found out that Built Bar was coming back to do another deal with us. All the hosts were like, are we getting more product? Are we getting more bars because these things are legitimately delicious. And and the funny thing was each host had a different flavor. They were most looking forward to getting in, in whatever new box they were going to get, whether it was salted caramel, the double chocolate, which is my personal favorite, peanut butter, brownie, cookies and cream, all covered in 100% chocolate. And while they are delicious and they are delicious, they're also low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber right now go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on to get 20 percent off your next order that's promo code locked on to get 20 percent off at builtbar.com one of the most intriguing teams of the weekend coming off a pretty embarrassing loss was the tampa bay buccaneers and they go out and in what was a close game for a long time ultimately take care of business against the Carolina Panthers 46 to 23 joining me now David Harrison from Locked on Bucks and David what did Tampa show this week that you either didn't see last week or that you thought this team needed to show in order to bounce back from last week's embarrassment uh fight back I mean you can call it resiliency if you want to you know what I mean but that that ability to come through adversity in the moment and capitalize on learning from that adversity. So, I mean, you know, you go back to the Giants game and, and obviously they won, but they didn't win pretty and they didn't do a lot of good things right. So you want to see them come into New Orleans, clean those things up. Uh, well, come into the game against New Orleans and clean those things up. They obviously didn't do it. In fact, they got messier, if anything. Um, so you want to come, you want to see them come out of that loss to the Saints and open this game up the right way. And the defense, for their credit, really did. They start off uh, getting Teddy Bridgewater and the Panthers offense off the field three and out, but then Ronald Jones, fumbles his very first reception of the entire game, gives the Panthers the ball. I think it was at the Tampa Bay 33. They go up 7-0 early by the end of the by, – by about midway through the first quarter – the, the first half, it's like 17-7. to I mean, and you kind of start getting that feeling, like, here we go again. Right. But then you see that fight back, you know. And, and I go back to the Saints game, and obviously you want to let, you know, the pass be the pass. But there was, there was about a, a series or two in the Saints game where the defense really kind of started hitting some Saints players. They started putting some lumber on some people – but it was out of anger and, and anger. I mean, we're all human beings. So, you know, anger is a very fleeting emotion. You know yep. what I mean? So when you're doing things out of anger, it's going to go away. And, and sure enough, it did. It went away. And any momentum that they gained in that game went away with it. And so in this game, you, what you saw was less anger and more just resolve, resiliency, whatever you want to label it and saying, you know what? We're not letting this happen again. We're coming back. We're going to make this thing happen. They went into the locker room tied, which they should have been ahead, you know, based off the stats and the actual performance on the field. But because of the mistakes they made early, they went in the locker room tied, came out in the second half, and they looked like a Todd Bowles defense, and it looked like a Tom Brady offense. So I'm I'm wondering from your perspective, as you look at this team and the and the bounce back performance. I mean, the the things you mentioned, of course, are important. And if you know they win this game 29-26, it's certainly a different conversation. But this is also a team that they already handled once this season. So right. Do you feel like, you know, the Panthers, I think, are a well-coached team. They they have some talent, especially on offense. But in terms of a quality opponent, this is not the same as if they had gone out and done this against 
you know, one of the other top teams in the NFC. So how much should we be taking away from the opponent in this game in terms of how the Buccaneers performed? Yeah, I mean, like you said, the, the Panthers are a well-coached team. They've got some good talent. I think they're a year, maybe two years away from really making some noise in the NFC yep. South, especially as Drew Brees retires. If Tom Brady's only here for one year after this, you know, we'll, we'll see how the Buccaneers bounce back from that. But at the end of the day, like you said, the Carolina Panthers have been in a lot of games, but they've lost a lot of those games for a reason. And the reason mm-hmm. is a lack of talent at one end, a lack of continuity with the scheme, the coaching staff, a new quarterback. I mean, they've just got a lot of new things going on. And of course, the shortened training camp, no preseason didn't help matters. Um, so, I mean, nobody should be going out and, you know, putting their rent check on the Buccaneers to to win the Super Bowl. But at the same time, Greg Allman, uh, Buccaneers beat writer for The Athletic, sent out a tweet earlier this week that seven and three teams have a, a, it's it's over 90 percent. I don't know the exact percentage, but it's over 90 percent chance of making the playoffs. So it puts you in a position to where these games against the Rams, these games against the Chiefs coming up look a little bit less scary because this one win gives you a little bit of wiggle room if you do drop one of those or even two of them. You have some other games you can win against the Falcons, Alliance, teams like that. But your own quarterback from the Green Bay Packers, the team that you cover, you know, said it this last week. And I mean, it's it's a known thing that continuity or consistency is one of the hardest things to capture in the National Football League. Yep. And you see the Green Bay Packers come out today. They win by four to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm sure that Packers fans looking at that scoreline, if they missed the game or didn't get to see everything that happened, look at that and they go, man, four point win over the Jags. What happened to the Packers? It's, it's what happens in the NFL. It's a week-to-week business. This is the best professional sports league in this country for a reason. It's because they're the best at making sure that there's as much parity across the league as there is. The Los sure. Angeles Rams uh, putting it on the Seattle Seahawks, the Arizona Cardinals, one year after having the first, the number one overall pick, beating the Buffalo Bills. Every single week, anybody can beat anybody. So really, I think every loss, you shouldn't come out of any loss saying, oh, they're over. It's over. It's just, just you know, sell the house, <laughs> just, just trade everybody. But you also shouldn't come out of any win saying this makes you a Super Bowl contender. You're a Super Bowl contender if you're playing football in January and then especially in late January. So in November, I try not to take too much from any loss or any win. Um, but this one, even even this one, it's it's good to see the team get in rhythm. But again, next week's the Rams. Can they do it against a team that does look like a legitimate playoff contender? Really setting up my show today, David. I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> as you look at this team, uh, do you did, did anything you saw on Sunday – change your opinion about the Buccaneers standing insofar as their status as an NFC contender? Did it say, hey, look, you know, they, they were able to shake this off. And so now this proves it. Or was it more just like, hey, they did what they they were supposed to do. We still need to see it in some of these games coming up if we're going to think that, you know, in January, as you said, they're going to be a legitimate Super Bowl contender. Yeah, I think you still have to you still have to prove it. You still have to go out there against the guys like the Rams and especially the Chiefs, and you still got to go out there and compete and and you know, hopefully come out with a win, but at least compete. You know, uh, you want to see them come out with a win over the Rams, especially on Monday night. I mean, that's a that's another big one. Like if if this team covering from coming from a Buccaneers coverage standpoint, if this team goes out and lays an egg against the Los Angeles Rams, you know, I'm sure the Rams side of things is going to talk about how they were able to stand up to this defense and stifle Tom Brady. But on the Buccaneers side of things, it's going to be one more primetime appearance that this Buccaneers franchise goes out there <laughs> and shows their tail end on. I mean, that's yeah. that's just going to be the narrative and the storyline that they shrink under the spotlight. And you know that Tom Brady doesn't do it. So as, as unrealistic as it really is, the superstitious side of sports comes out and says that logo, that Buccaneers flag and skull and cross swords just cannot perform under the bright lights of primetime football. So you need to see them go out there and do it because guess what? You know, uh, the playoffs are primetime football. I mean, outside the wild card round, you're playing in prime time. You're playing in peak hours because it's the National Football League playoffs. So if you shrink under that pressure for whatever reason, it's not going to sit well with people. 
So you need to go out there and you need to beat the Rams. And then you need to at least compete with the Kansas City Chiefs. If you compete with the Kansas City Chiefs and then you see them again in February, then people are going to be a lot more confident. But if you get beat in prime time by the Rams and then you get beat again by the Kansas City Chiefs, heaven forbid one of those is a blowout loss, then you know the, the confidence that people have in this team will will definitely wane. But we've all seen teams get hot in December or even get look at the Tennessee Titans last year. Sometimes teams get hot in January right. and really it doesn't matter as long as you find a way to put it all together. You just, you just have to get there. So seeing them come through some of that adversity in real time is is confidence building. Um, you could hear them in the postgame press conferences celebrating behind Bruce Arians and Tom Brady, which was you know entertaining. But you also know that this team, just as quickly as they apparently got over that Saints loss, they need to get over this 23-point win because they can't carry that win. They can't you know spot 10 points against the Rams because they beat the Panthers by three touchdowns. And, and the irony of that, of course, is that Tom Brady – could have three more Super Bowls if not for teams who got hot in December and January. Absolutely. Uh, he he knows as well as anyone that that is a thing here. David, I thanks for the insight. Absolutely. Appreciate it. All right. Luke Braun and Ross Jackson will be back tomorrow. They will take you through Monday Night Football, the Vikings and the Bears squaring off in an NFC North matchup. Can the Vikings get things righted? Can they get back on track and and become a factor in the NFC playoff race? Are they any worse than any of the teams in the NFC East right now? I mean, if the Vikings were an NFC East team, they would be the clear favorites to win that division. So not that that matters because they don't play in the NFC East. They play in the NFC North. But if they beat the Bears tonight, then they're just a half game out of the Bears, then they have a chance to get in the mix. Of course, they're going to have to play some good football. They have plenty of games left uh, where they're going to need to play really well to win. But this is a talented football team, and and they are capable of doing that. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On NFL. We're here every day bringing you the biggest stories from local experts. That is, of course, what we do on Mondays in particular, coming off a busy weekend. So make sure you come hang out with us, join us, and always stay Locked On NFL.